The reading for this evening is from Luke chapter 20, verses 27 to 40. This can be found on page 1055 in the Church Bibles. Luke chapter 20, verses 27 to 40. Some of the Sadducees, who say there is no resurrection, came to Jesus with a question. Teacher, they said, Moses wrote for us that if a man's brother dies and leave a wife but no children, the man must marry the widow and raise up offspring for his brother. Now there were seven brothers. The first one married a woman and died childless. The second and then the third married her. And in the same way, the seven died, leaving no children. Finally, the woman died too. Now then, at the resurrection, whose wife will she be, since the seven were married to her? Jesus replied, The people of this age marry and are given in marriage. But those who are considered worthy of taking part in the age to come and in the resurrection from the dead will neither marry nor be given in marriage. And they can no longer die, for they are like the angels. They are God's children, since they are children of the resurrection. But in the account of the burning bush, even Moses showed that the dead rise. For he calls the Lord, the God of Abraham, and the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. He is not the God of the dead, but of the living, for to him all are alive. Some of the teachers of the law responded, Well said, teacher. And no one dared to ask him any more questions. Thank you very much, Lottie. Um, I wonder if you can think back to any job interviews that you've, uh, you may have had. Uh, maybe they've been horror stories. Maybe they've been funny stories. Um, uh, Google are slightly infamous, aren't they, for having their sort of funny uh, interview questions. You, you may have heard them before. So, so famously, they've said, uh, imagine you were shrunk down to the size of a 10 pence piece put into a blender and the blender is going to be switched on in 10 seconds. You know, what would you do? Um, like, oh, today. Um, or or uh, another one is, um, how much would you charge to wash all the windows in London? Uh, what fee would you give? How, how would you calculate it? Um, maybe you're sort of trying to work that out now. Maybe you're trying to think, is, is that a quicker job than this sermon's going to be? But I don't know. Um, but, but those sort of you know, questions that, that are there to kind of probe, aren't they? Those interview questions are there to uh, Google are trying to test your sort of imagination and your thinking and your feet and your, your ability to, to answer them. Uh, there are those sorts of questions. But there are also the, the sort of questions where um, people are thinking, well, if you're so smart, tell me this. Uh, they might do that in an angry way. Like, oh, you're so smart, then you know, answer me this. Or they might do it in a very pleasant way, but, but really they're just trying to cut you down. If you're so smart, tell me this. Uh, and in uh, Luke's Gospel, over the last few weeks, we've been uh, hearing uh, time uh, and time again uh, people trying to question Jesus. Uh, and you might remember it's because, we remember, read in chapter 19, verse 47, uh, speaking of these leaders, uh, the Pharisees, the Sadducees, the teachers of the law, that they say, uh, every day Jesus was teaching the temple, but the chief priests, the teachers of the law, and the leaders among the people were trying to kill him. They're out to get it. They're prodding and probing him because they're, they're out to get it. Uh, in chapter 20, verses 1 to 8, they were trying to trip him up about his authority. At 20, 20 to 26, they were trying to trap him with the politics about Caesar and money. Uh, and here, they're trying to trip him up in theology. So as we begin uh, this evening, uh, let's pray uh, to the Lord our God. 
Uh, Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you uh, that takes us to Jesus. Uh, And we pray this evening, as we come to to look at this afresh again, that you would help us to lift up our heads and our hearts to you, to see you uh, more clearly. Amen. Uh, And this time our focus is on the the Sadducees. And the Sadducees, it says there uh, in verse uh, 27, were people who who didn't believe in the resurrection. Uh, Just as a little aside, if you uh, want to remember the Sadducees don't believe in the resurrection, just remember the Sadducees didn't believe in the resurrection, which is why they were sad, you see. There we go. There's a a little free Sunday school lesson for you all. But, But... that's kind of, they didn't believe in the resurrection. Uh, they were sort of rationalists. They believed it in the Torah, they'd say, and, and in the Torah only. Uh, they didn't believe in angels. Uh, they were those who were kind of the cold, hard facts kind of people. Uh, and, and they wanted to catch Jesus out. They want to trip him up. They want to show that he's not that big a deal. In fact, they want to eventually lead to his death. Uh, so they come up with this, uh, this riddle. And it's, it's likely that it's, it's not a new riddle. It's probably been doing the rounds. It's probably something that they've uh, put out time and time again. Uh, and they say, uh, verse 28, uh, Teacher, they said, Moses wrote for us, The man's brother dies and leaves a wife, but no children. The man must marry the widow and raise up the offspring for his brother. Uh, they're talking about uh, Levite marriage. Uh, and the idea is that, that if, uh, if the brother dies, uh, the brother-in-law must marry his sister-in-law, uh, and then any children he has would then keep the, the brother's name going. Um, it, it's hard to know exactly uh, how it worked. We don't really have many accounts of it in the Bible. Uh, there's uh, a chapter, account of Onan in Genesis 38, uh, where we see actually it happens so seriously that Onan isn't doing that, uh, and so the Lord brings judgment on him. Uh, we see Boaz in, in Ruth, but it's a bit different uh, there, because, of course, Boaz actually takes the children in his own name. So we don't quite know how it works, um, and it's a practice that seems to have sort of uh, moved out. Uh, but anyway, it, it's a practice which they're, they're quoting and claiming uh, to Jesus. And they set up this situation of seven brothers. Uh, they're saying, look, uh, uh, one brother dies, he has no children, so his brother marries his wife, dies, and, and it goes on seven times. Uh, and then you can sort of imagine them saying, no, Jesus, who's, who's she married to? You, you, know, you can't believe in, in anything so absurd as the resurrection. It's just like saying, look, case closed, <laughs> no resurrection. It just, they're saying, come on, Jesus, what's going on? It's the riddle designed to kind of trap people, to say, look, this, this proves the point beyond any reasonable doubt. It's a bit like um, the riddle you may hear about God. You know, can God build a rock so heavy he can't lift it? This sort of disproving that God can't exist because he can't, you know, couldn't he do that? And just as an aside uh, for that little question, if anyone ever asks you about that, um, there's a difference between saying something's impossible, i.e. it can never be done, and something's impossible, it's very unlikely. So to say that um, it's impossible to lift the Empire State Building is not actually true. If you had enough strength, you could do it, but no one does, therefore it's impossible. 
But in that statement, can God make a rock that's too heavy? Well, it's two contradictory ideas. They can't both be true at the same time. It is a a logical impossibility. Uh, It's a a riddle that misunderstands the nature of of God. Uh, And likely, this this riddle here uh, just completely misunderstands uh, what's going on. The Sadducees just get it wrong. And so Jesus replies, verses 34 and 35. Jesus said, The people of this age marry and are given in marriage, but those who are considered worthy of taking part in the age to come and in the resurrection of the dead will neither marry nor be given in marriage. Jesus is saying your mistake is to think that what we have here and now and today is exactly the same as what it will be like in God's new creation. Now, you're drawing a line direct from one to the other. Whereas Jesus says, in God's new creation, there will be no marriage. In fact, there'll be no death. Uh, They'll be uh, like the angels. Now, remember again, the Sadducees don't believe in angels. They'll be like the angels who, who... is said, don't eat, don't marry. Because Jesus was saying, well, the point really, one of the points of marriage is children. And if, if you don't die, then you don't need to continue the line. In fact, he, he says, verse 36, and they can no longer die, for they're like the angels, they are God's children since they're children of the resurrection. He's saying that actually, look, we've gained a new identity. We become uh, God's children. All those, shall I say, who believe in him, all those who are worthy, to use the language of Jesus in the passage, will become God's children. He's making the point saying, you can't draw a line from here to there. Because actually, that doesn't equal the same thing. And to back himself up, he he quotes the scriptures. Now, uh, he could have gone somewhere like uh, Daniel 12, verse 2, which says, uh, Multitudes who sleep in the dust of the earth will awake, some to everlasting life, others to shame and everlasting contempt. He could have gone somewhere like there to prove his point. Actually, the scriptures do teach this. But remember the Sadducees. They hold to the Torah. The first five books of the Bible. So Jesus goes to Exodus 3, verse 6. He's quoting, really. This is the Lord speaking to Moses says, then he said, the Lord, I am the God of your father, uh, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac and the God of Jacob. At this, Moses hid his face because he was afraid to look at God. Uh, When the Lord is speaking to Moses, uh, he, he says, I am the God. He doesn't say, I was the God of Abraham. I was the God of Isaac, of Jacob. He says, no, I am. I am the God of Abraham, Isaac and Jacob. I am the God of the living. I am still their God. Because they are still existing. Best of the life. He's still the God. And so, verse 38, he's not the God of the dead, but of the living. 
for to him all are alive. See, Jesus just undercuts the Sadducees. He completely shows them that their thinking is completely misunderstood. He gets to the heart of the issue. And so then we have verse 39. Some of the, the teachers of the law who do believe in the resurrection sort of say, oh, well said, teacher. Well done, well done. But verse 40, no one dares ask him any more questions. They can't find any fault in him. They're prodding and they're probing. They're asking the questions. But Jesus will not be found at fault. Now, just before we sort of land a bit as to where this passage comes, I, I suspect, if you're like me, then this passage does raise a lot of questions. It raises questions uh, about what our relationship to spouses we have may be like in God's new creation. And it's a really hard one to answer. Because the honest answer is we, we don't really know because we can't draw a line from here to there. We can't say, oh, this is what it's like now, so this is what it will be like in God's new creation. But... Consider this. In God's new creation, there will be no more tears or crying or pain. All those uh, barriers that, that exist in our relationships won't be there. So therefore, how could a relationship that we have with our spouse be deficient in God's new creation? How could it be lacking How could it not be uh, better? How could it not be uh, sweeter? How could it not be more intimate than it is now? Relationships in God's new creation will be far superior than what they are now. But I guess also this passage may raise uh, questions for us if we're we're not married or if if actually marriage is the cause of one of the greatest heartaches in our life at the moment. And I know it it is a painful topic uh, and one that we uh, want to to cling to Christ over. But this passage reminds us that, that our primary identity It is not found in being married or unmarried. Although that may be true uh, for some of us for for some time of our life. uh, The primary identity is as a child of God. Is that of a child of God who is loved and beloved and who has identity now and for eternity. That is our, our primary identity and it might sound trite to say that but it's true my identity first and foremost is as a child of God and if I find my identity in anything else being a married or not married but anything else it's just doomed to failure and it's going to let me down I'm a child of God. 
I'm loved by God. He will keep me. So where does this land? Well, as we said, we, we, we can't draw direct lines from our experience today to, to what our experience of the new creation will be like. That we, we can't draw direct lines. Yes, there are, there are shadows and signs and pointers. But it means that, that this, if our life today is sweet or sour, bitter or beautiful, long or short... I know that in God's new creation, it will be all the more sweeter. It won't be as, uh, as we know, it will be better. It'll be fuller, truer. But there's also something else going on here, I think, which is one of the reasons Luke put it in. Um, uh, When the Jews uh, celebrate Passover, they uh, have to bring a lamb. Uh, as it says in Exodus 13.5, uh, the animals you choose must be uh, year-old males without defect. You may take them from the sheep or the goats. Uh, the Passover is to be a, a perfect lamb without defect. Uh, and then we know as we carry that picture of the Passover through, that, that actually it's a picture of Jesus, uh, who's our Passover lamb, the one who takes our place. And throughout Luke 20, there have been people looking for reasons to to kill Jesus, reasons to to undo him, reasons to to show that he's a bit defunct or defective somewhere. And they can't do it. Because Jesus is the perfect Passover lamb. 1 Peter 1, you were bought with the precious blood of Christ. A lamb without blemish or defect. Nobody can stand up and point at you saying, oh, he's not good enough. He's not, he's not right enough. He's not able enough. Jesus is the perfect saviour. The perfect saviour who is able to bring us into his kingdom. Uh, Jesus, the perfect saviour, who is able to carry us uh, into that new creation. Uh, Jesus, the perfect saviour, who is able to carry us into that place of no more tears. Jesus is the perfect saviour, who will bring us home. Uh, this isn't just a, a dry academic idea that we sort of you know, chat about in terms of ideology. This is the life that we live Early this morning, uh, we were just praying for the, uh, the morning service, and we were, it was communion. And it, uh, we were joking that whenever I preach and lead in communion, I often say, this is the perfect passage to lead us into communion. <laughs> and this is a perfect passage to lead us into communion. But, but we're not doing it. But the reason is, is because in communion, we remember the gospel. We remember that, that actually uh, we're sharing in Jesus' death, and therefore we're sharing in his life. And so, uh, this is the perfect reminder that actually the life we live is not our own. Who is our only hope in life and death? Jesus Christ. He's the one we stand upon. Jesus is the the sweet reality, not of a, a dry, crusty idea, 
but a sweet reality of a true foundation that stands us true, steadfast and strong through every moment into eternity. Jesus, God's son, his child, is able to make you and me his children. So this is we close. We need to lift up our eyes. <laughs> lift up our, our eyes to this wonderful reality. There are days when I forget that. Maybe there are days when you forget it as well. But this is a reality that is true, which is life-giving, which changes the way that we, we come into Monday morning, whether that be school or family or work, whether that be coming into a situation which is mundane and average, or whether it be coming into a situation which is good and joyful, or whether it be coming into a situation that's just really tough. Jesus is the perfect saviour. Without default, without defect, who will carry you into his new creation. But there is no more crying or mourning or pain. He will do that. He is able to do that. To take us to that place where our relationships will be truer, fuller, sweeter. Be reunited with those we've loved and lost. Be able to be together. Because he is our perfect saviour. Who takes us home. So let's hold fast to him day by day. And keep going. Let's pray. Father we thank you for this wonderful truth. Lord, may it not be a dry reality, an academic piece that we just tick off mentally in our heads. Lord, help us to know more the love that Christ has for us, that he would come to be the perfect saviour, to bring us into your perfect world, where we can know you and know each other as we were always been to In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.